good to be back this morning to see your beautiful faces and to know I'm still in the land of the living as well as you and so I hope this morning's message will be one that will help each of us and encourage us as we strive to do those things that are right and good and pleasing in God's sight and to just keep on keeping on uh, doing that that pleases God. Our message uh, is titled this morning, Was it not within thine own power? Was it not within thine own power? I know you're very familiar with the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost in 33 AD. We know that uh, the church was established there in Jerusalem and that uh, the gospel was being preached there and people were obeying the gospel and about 3,000 souls on the day of Pentecost obeyed the gospel. And then thereafter, the church continued to spread and to grow and uh, the Bible says in Acts 2.47 that, that uh, the Lord continued to add to the church such as should be saved, realizing the church is made up of saved people. But as the church grew, there became needs because of the number of people the multitudes many times there were thousands of people obeying the gospel multitudes of people obeying the gospel and so there was a need for those who were Christians to to take the things that God had blessed them with and to be able to bless others who were poor and uh, some very unfortunate and in different ways and so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that God uh, has given man and uh, my lesson text is going to be Acts chapter 5 actually verse 4 where in chapter 4 of Acts you remember that disciples like Barnabas and others that had uh, additional lands and possessions they were they were taking and selling their possessions and their lands and they were take, giving the money to the apostles to be distributed among the church so that no one would be lacking and Everyone would have everything they needed to be able to live comfortable lives to some degree and to be able to carry out the things that they needed to do. And so when we get to chapter 5, there is a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And you remember the story. They, they too had a possession, and they sold their possession. But what they did with theirs, it seemed that they were seeking the praises of men more than really trying to do God's will. And so they conspired together to really lie and say that they had sold the possession for X amount of money and uh, they were going to give all the money. And so they pretended uh, they were hypocrites. And when they were confronted, in Acts chapter 5, verse 4, Peter said, Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? And so the New King James words it this way. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? So they had this possession. They sold it. They didn't have to sell it. They were not being forced or commanded to sell it. And once they sold it, they were not being forced to give all of the monies that they got from that possession to that worthy cause. They could have given a portion and God would have been pleased. They could have given all and God would have been pleased. But, 
but he was not pleased when they lied to God, pretending to have given it all. There are many things over which we have no control in this life. Usually it doesn't take us very long to figure some of these things out. I noticed while I was gone just the other day, I came home and there was water everywhere. Y'all must have had a monsoon or something because I hadn't seen water around here standing in places like that in a while. We understand, we, we do not control the weather. We do not control other people. We, we try to encourage and we try to teach and guide and help, but when it really comes down to it, we don't control anyone. We don't control gas prices. Gas prices are going up. We don't like to see that, but nonetheless, it's going up. We don't control that. You don't even have any control over who your parents are. You're born into this world. You had no say so. There are so many things that are out of our control. But there are many things in life over which we do have control. And those are the things for which we will have to give an answer. Life is like a grindstone. This life can polish you up like a piece of beautiful brass or silver or it can grind you up life can make you better or it can make you bitter in this life there will be many troubles hardships difficulties and attitude is the key you determine what life will do to you and make of you by your attitude you keep your attitude right, and this old life will polish you. But if you allow your attitude to go south, go bitter, go bad, and it will crush you. It will destroy you. You've got to fight this good fight of faith in your mind and keep your attitude right. It may also be very frightening at times to realize what is in our control. Sometimes we may want to be lazy and not be involved in the things that we have control over. Sometimes it's easier just to try to pass the buck and let someone else do all the hard things. But listen, there are certain things that God expects each of us to be in control of, of our own, that others are not to control for us because we will have to give an account. And so... It's always still a blessing to know and to control what we can. In James chapter 1, verse 17, James makes a point very clear. He says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. I want to talk to us for a little while today about some of the things that God has placed under our control. And as we think about these things together today, we need to keep in mind that there will be a time at the end of our lives when all of these things that God has uh, placed under our control will be able to be tallied up, just like a big tally. And then we will be judged based on how we have used these good and precious the blessings that God has bestowed upon us. And so the first one I want to talk about is the one found in our context, 
And that's our possessions or our monies that God has put within our power. Acts 5 verse 4, While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? God is going to give each of us so much of this world's possessions. There will be some, it's obvious, that will not receive as much from the Lord as others. Uh, but at the end of this life, that God will be able to tally up everything of this earth of any value, any worth, he can give you an exact tally. By the way, God does give us everything that we have. We don't do that of ourselves. I realize some are born into better situations financially perhaps, or they take advantage of opportunities and they do very well and God bestows more and more upon them. But my point is this, there will be a day when God can tally up everything that he's ever given us. And he will know exactly how we've used everything that he has blessed us with. He'll know if we've wasted it, squandered it, stored it away, refused to use it, refused to share it, refused to do what his will was. See, Really, one of the beauties of life is God made us free moral agents. He blesses, and he's like he steps back and he says, Now you choose. You, you use this to my glory. But you choose. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to make you give money here or sell this or sell that. You choose. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, the Bible says, Every man according as his purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly nor of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. You know, in this life, some folks will make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some will make millions, others billions. There's probably several millionaires in the church throughout the land. And they probably give more than others that make thousands. But it's really not so much about that. It's however much God has given you, do you purpose in your heart to give, knowing that one day you'll give an account? Many times those that have little give more and sacrifice more and the Bible does teach sacrificial giving than those that have a lot and give a lot but there's no sacrifice there we also see here the attitude God wants us to give cheerfully not grudgingly over the years when I felt myself want to hold back a little bit when I'd get a little extra I try to make myself give more to teach myself a lesson because I know one day God's going to know how much he's given me in this life and he knows how I purpose in my heart to give and he knows if I love him and give cheerfully because he loves a cheerful giver in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12 Paul said for if there be first a willing mind you see that's the problem many times 
Christians must have willing minds. Even those that are not Christians, God bestows blessings upon them as well. And they will also have to answer for how they use the possessions that God has given them. But it starts with a willing mind. And then I, I'm comforted in this because, you know, we don't always have a lot of possessions. Uh, comparatively speaking, I guess it depends on who you're comparing with. But he says this, It is accepted according to that a man hath, not according to that he hath not. So, God's going to give you X amount of wealth in a lifetime. And he's going to hold you accountable for how you use it. I've often wished that more people who do well in the church would think more of the church when they come to the end of their lives than they do their kids or grandkids. Not saying that they should be neglected at all, but what's most important? By the time you get to the end of your life, your children will be well off. They'll at least be comfortable. What do they need? Something to fuss and fight and argue over and get lawyers involved? Wouldn't it be nice if each of us would work toward what we have left that we can to give to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? So that our influence and our, our finances can be used to help spread, or the, spread the borders of the gospel, the church, throughout the world. But no, we get so focused on my kid, my grandkid, their college, their this, their that. The church is far more important. You probably didn't have a lot given to you. You probably worked and saved and earned and they can do the same thing. It's good for them. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 45, the Bible says, And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. Wouldn't it be terrible to have much and then see your brother or sister have need and then just hold back and not, not share, not help, not try to take care of because you get a little greedy? Well, there is reward. There's blessing in giving. You remember Jesus said in Acts 20 verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You've probably been on both ends. You've probably been a giver and you've probably been a receiver. So you know which one is more enjoyable because of pride. Many times we don't like to receive even though we may need from time to time and there's nothing wrong with receiving and and Christians need to learn to receive so that the givers can give, exercise their Christianity. If you don't let anyone help you, then they can't exercise their Christianity, which they need to exercise. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Now, we don't sow so that we can reap more. I mean, that's not the that's not the ultimate goal. You don't give to others so you can so you can have more for yourself to store up. But here's the thing: the more you give, the more you share, the more you do, the more is coming back to you, and the more you can give away again. That's how it works. You've practiced it. You've done for people. You've given. You've blessed, and it always comes back many times more, doesn't it? 
That's why we have so much stuff now. It just keeps coming back. But you know what? God knows what we have and what we're doing with it. But there's also a cursing that comes for those who do not use what God has given them properly. In the case of Ananias and Sapphira, you remember in Acts 5, verse 5, when Ananias came in and lied, he was killed, and then his wife comes in, chapter uh, uh, verse 5 of uh, 5, and then in verse 10 of chapter 5 of Acts, his wife comes in, she lies, she's dead. Punishment. In Luke chapter 12, verse 20, the Bible says, God said unto him, Thy fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Remember the old rich foolish farmer. Who gave him all of his blessings? God. He gave him all those possessions. Gave him all of his wealth. And he thought he did it on his own. That's where we go astray. God gives you every good and perfect gift. If you own it today, God gave it to you. You can't do anything without God's help. we're going to have to give an account for what we have. We don't need to plan on storing up for this life and just leave it to others to fuss and fight over or the government to get or to be destroyed. We need to plan ahead. We need to be frugal, but we also need to be wise. And we need to keep the Lord's church at heart. The salvation of the souls of men must be first and foremost in our minds. Even when it comes to our possessions because we're not going to take them with us. Paul wrote the preacher Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9. He said, And they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Sometimes when you have much, you don't even know who your friends are. You don't really know if your kids even love you or they just want your money and the things that you have. God loves you. And he wants you to use what he has given you wisely. I think about the old rich man there in Luke chapter 16 that clothed in purple and fared sumptuously every day. God blessed him abundantly. And then on the other hand, you had that poor beggar Lazarus who'd been laid at the rich man's gate, couldn't even walk. Body covered with sores. Dogs came and licked his sores. He would have loved to have had the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. The rich man wouldn't give them up. Well, the rich man died and was buried more than can be said for Lazarus, he wasn't buried. But the beggar, he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. You know, in his lifetime, evidently he didn't have a lot of this world's goods, did he? He had something far greater. He didn't have to deal with all the hurtful lust and the, and the things that come along, the enticements and the temptations that come with having much. In that sense, he was very blessed. He passed the test. He didn't have a lot, but he, he had to use what he did, had in the right way. With a rich man, he had it all, but lost his soul. Which one would you rather be today? 
Being successful is not determined by how much of this world's goods you have. That's not how. I mean, in the eyes of people of our world today, yes, it's, uh, you know, they always want to talk about who's got the most billions and millions and, you know, who's who and all those things, but that's not how you measure true success. Not at all. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said, For a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. You may have storehouse after storehouse after storehouse full of junk. It may be some prized possessions. That don't mean you've been sex successful in God's sight. Probably means you're not being successful because you're wasting things that could be used to God's glory. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Jesus said, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is your heart in a storage building? Is your heart in some uh, vacation home you've got somewhere that you very seldom ever see? Oh, where's your money stored? What are you doing with it? What are you doing with your possessions? Where's your heart? Jesus said in Mark 8, verse 36 and 37, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? Lose his own soul. You ever get tired of junk stuff? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, Paul said, But well, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. As we grow older, we need to make sure that we focus and pay attention to all the possessions and the wealth and the things that God has given us, and that we, we take those things and use them in a way that brings glory to God, that can that can cause souls to be, lead souls to be saved by supporting these good works that's going on in the church and spreading the gospel throughout the world and supporting preachers and teachers and missionaries stateside, overseas. There's so much work to be done, so many good television programs going on. We need to take what we have and contribute and be a part of that instead of just storing up. Matthew 20, verse 28, the Bible says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. I think of all the riches of heaven that Jesus left. Come to this earth to give man everything that he had. wonder how much money he made in his lifetime. I wonder how many storage buildings he had full of stuff. I wonder what his checking account would have looked like. He emptied himself. He drained the bank. He gave every single thing he had. And every drop of his blood. Our possessions or in our control. You can do what you will with them. 
I'm not going to say God doesn't care because he does. But he's going to give, he's given you full control to use as you will. Properly, improperly. You can store it up till the bugs eat it. But we'll answer for it. Because these are gifts that God's given us. Our possessions are in our control. But remember this. Matthew 6, verse 24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We need to be focused. We need to be sure that today we are not serving mammon. And when you're living for mammon, riches, possessions, you're wasting your life. These things are good when they are used properly. I'm thankful for the people in the church who have been able to be very successful. There are folks who just are wise and they have that ability to turn money into money, turn anything they touch into money and possessions. I'm so thankful. We need people like that in the church. But we need those people like that in the church to take the possessions they use and have that God's given them and use them to the glory of God. It takes finances to run a, the church, to be able to spread the gospel. And you know something else? I listen to these preachers every Sunday morning now on Channel 5, and almost, if not every one of them, makes it perfectly clear to the world, to their viewing audience, that we don't want your money it's free. We want you to be saved by the gospel. So, as we come to the end of our lives, there will be a time when there can be a big tally drawn up of Mike Ray. How much God has given him in his lifetime. And it can also be known how he has used what God has given him in his lifetime. What he wasted, squandered, what he used to the glory of God. This morning I encourage you all to think about your possessions, realizing you don't have anything without God. What are you doing with it? How are you using it? And what will you do in the future? Because COVID makes a lot of things real. And when you don't know if you're going to see another day, you may think deeply about some things you haven't really thought about in a while. And so let's make sure that we're using what we have that God's given us to his glory. Tonight, with Lord willing, we'll talk about time. God's going to give you so much time. He's only going to give you so much. Some, he's only going to give a little bit of time, and some are going to have a lot more time than others. There's going to be a certain amount of time, right down to the second, that you're going to have in this life. How are you using that time? Something to think about. If you're here and you're not a Christian, we encourage you to become one.
We encourage you to obey the gospel by believing with all your heart that Jesus Christ is Son of God, repenting of all your sins, confessing him before men, that is, making the statement that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and then, having repented and confessed, be baptized, because that's a command that's been given to each of us by Jesus. When he said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you want to be saved, you've got to obey Jesus. And that means you have to be baptized into Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, where you can enjoy all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1, verse 3, which includes the forgiveness of your sins and the continual being forgiven as long as you walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7, as he is in the light. So if you're here this morning and you need to respond, once you do so, as together we stand and sing. Lord.